I thought when I started my studies in the 60s that all mechanical problems, including those of steam engines, my great love, were solved. I was wrong, by the way, because steam engines still produce 98% of all of, all of the world's electricity. And I decided at that time to study electronics in Eindhoven. And although radio and the radio tube were invented a long time ago, 100 years ago, electronics, as we now know it, as we now appreciate it, was, was still very still in its infancy. The, the term digital, for example, was associated at that time with extremely expensive and also very big mainframe computers used by big companies such as insurance companies and large research centers. I joined Philips Research Labs in 1968 and did research on various interesting topics. The atmosphere at that time was very open and we concentrated on basic research with a possible application outlook. There were no financial constraints, no teaching obligations, and the term research project was an oxymoron. In short, Philips Lab was an absolute playground for scientists and engineers. What a fun we had, you can remember. In 1975, I was asked to move to the optical group Clearly, times were also changing at Philips Research, since for the very first time in my life, I was working on a very definite product, the laser video disc. Maybe some people still remember it. A beautiful machine for me, full of mechanics and electronics too. The video disc is very accurately scanned by a laser beam and can, be play, and can play an hour of video plus audio. Because no stylus touches the disc, Surface, there is no diskware, no matter how often the disc is played. Note this was in a time that videotape players like VHS and Betamax did not yet exist. The video disc was a daring product. The development took far much time, and the video disc reached the market after the launch, launch of the video cassette player. The video disc, although a technical success, was a big market failure and the greatest blooper I've ever seen in my life. And it was withdrawn from the market in a few years. By the way, this adventure cost around half a billion dollars. At a certain time, I remember quite well, we, the engineers in the back rooms, were very amused by the request from the top director of the audio product group whether we could design an audio-only disc. Of course. Impressed by so much naivety, we said, that's very easy, just switch off the video signal. And we proceeded with our more important work. That, those were the days that you could do that. But no kidding with the top brass of Philips. So two engineers started experimenting with audio-only discs using analog frequency modulation, essentially the same as used in the video disc. The approach failed as it appeared that the new optical disc was sensitive to fingerprints, and the sound clicked and ticked just like the old black vinyl discs. Evidently, it was a laboratory toy and could never be marketed. Then something remarkable happened in the mid-70s. My friend Thomas Stockham in the United States made the very first digital hi-fi audio recordings using mini computers and data tape drives. 
Digital audio techniques were known for quite some time, but usually used in low-quality voice communications. The time seemed to be ripe for hi-fi digital sound, and we said to each other, let's try digital audio on an optical disc instead of the analog FM so that we can get rid of the clicks by using the digital error-correcting codes. This was unheard of in the, the mid-70s. Digital codes, essentially there were only two applications at the time. Two NASA space satellite links, one to Mars and the other to Venus. That was all in the digital domain at that time. The task we were facing was not easy, as we had to learn everything about coding theory. By the way, coding is a very important topic nowadays since everything is digital. But we have to learn everything from scratch. There was a lot of very abstract theory full of nebulous mathematics to a practical situation. It was, in fact, the overlap between the physics of the optical disk and the digital code that was difficult to understand for us. The experiments with early digital optical disks revealed that due to everyday handling damage, such as dust, fingerprint, tiny scratches on the disk, the servos, those are the things that actually follow the disk without touching it, are prone to malfunctioning and may skip tracks or get stuck. The barriers related to playability issues formed a major obstacle at that time to launching the digital optical audio disc. Many experiments were needed to understand the best solutions and eventually we learned how to apply coding theory to optical discs. Of course there were many other challenging technical matters at the time, for example the digital analog converter, the DA converter, an essential component that translates a digital signal back into an analog signal, at that time the price was around 10,000 US dollars per piece, and for a stereo signal you need two. Small solid-taste lasers were not available at that time, and the gas laser used in the video disc system was around 15 inches long, so that's not very attractive, is it? As a small player. Clearly, the envisaged digital audio player was not a standard off-the-shelf consumer product in the mid-70s, incredibly in retrospect. But the engineers were able to solve all those problems in five years, and we could present the prototype player to the press. Our research was accelerated when we worked together with Sony engineers. And within a year of joint hard work, we were able to publish the compact disc standard, and so finally the product engineers within Sony and Philips could start their work on the production of both disc and player. The compact disc was brought to market in 1982, bringing the world's first fully digital device. At first, players and discs were expensive and sales were very slow, but after five years, it was clear that the compact disc would be a commercial success. In the fact, the compact disc turned out to be the big bang of the audio and video revolution, the shift from analog to digital technology. This was followed by the development and introduction of different formats. And the CD became a catalyst for further innovation in digital audio and video technology and it created a multi-billion mass consumer market. 
Now, other storage media via internet replaces optical recording technology. Internet speed is now so high that outsourcing your data is an everyday engineering possibility. The data is in the cloud, we say. Nobody really cares in what physical environment his or her data are stored, as long as they are safe and readily available.